Well, my name is John Mott. I'm the co-owner and cider maker at Beaver Valley Cidery. And we're standing on our crushing pad right now. And I'm about to take you into our production area. So when did you start everything here? Um, I think we planted, um, we planted our orchard in, two th we've owned the property for almost 25 years, but we planted our orchard in 2009. I've got uh, eight acres of heritage varieties um, planted at the top of our property. And uh, we opened um, to the public uh, for retail, I think in 2013. So this is probably our seventh season. And a little bit of a different season this year. Yeah, well, it's interesting. We 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 close seasonally, so we we normally close from January one to mid mid uh, May, and um, coincidentally, phase one sort of came in about two weeks later than we would normally have opened. So we've been kind of unaffected by COVID, and our our business levels now are are running higher than last year. So. I think we're getting the benefit of people having been cooped up and anxious to get out and, and enjoy themselves again. So we, we're doing, we've made some changes obviously. We're doing all of our tastings and uh, by the glass sales outdoors. Um, um, uh, but so far the weather's cooperated so that uh, we haven't really been impacted by bad weather either. So, so that's really the only change. We just kind of moved our, moved our operation outside. The other thing I've noticed um, that, uh, I mean, I don't have any hard date on it, but the per visitor sales seem to have gone up. People, you know, before they might have bought two bottles or three bottles, now they're buying a case when they leave. So <laughs> I don't know whether that means uh, they've made their one visit for the season and they're stocking up or whether they're drinking more, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. I think we were finding that drinking as a whole was up quite a lot, especially with within the cities and so on, because there's not the ability to go to a patio or whatnot, or wasn't before. Mm -hmm. And uh, people have been sort of more and more loading up, as you had said. So it is a very interesting space to be in, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to, to selling products. So. Yeah. Well, it, it could be uh, people are maybe, you know, entertain themselves on their decks as opposed to patios somewhere else but uh, yeah yeah it's uh it's a new normal so um, what you see here like as I said this is our our crush pad so uh, I'm borrowing wine lingo but uh, our pressing pad um, if you if I was doing my sort of formal tour I would tell you that um, that um, that big green uh, uh, tank there is 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 the start of our pressing operation. So we fill it full of water, and we're able to to dump one bin of apples at a time. So a bin is about uh, 20 bushels or 800 pounds. So we can dump a bin of apples in 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 the tank, and there's a there's a current in it, so they flow to one end, and we get you know get to do a little quality control if we see a bad apple we can yank it out and it goes up a little elevator and drops into our our press this is uh, what you're looking at is uh, it's a continuous belt press so theoretically you can indefinitely dump apples in one end and um, 
juice gets pressed in the middle and dry pumice comes out the other end. Continuous is a bit of a misnomer um, because there's always something breaking down. But uh, <laughs> it's funny, I have a little story. Um, Mike Beck, who owns Uncle John's Cider Mill in Michigan, I, I, he was giving a little presentation at a at a, a cider conference, and he has he has a machine almost identical to this. And um, someone in the audience asked him how long the belts last, and uh, and he said, "You mean if you don't put your coffee cup on it?" <laughs> um, An so expensive far, <laughs> mistake, yeah. <laughs> because as you see, those rollers uh, will make make quick work of a coffee cup. But uh, so far, I haven't made that mistake. But uh, but no, it's uh, pretty efficient, and we we've kind of got a perfect recycling operation here because you, you can't see it from here but uh, our neighbor grazes cattle on our pasture and so we we feed the dry pumice to the cattle and they just love it so we've kind of uh, and then they they in turn fertilize the pasture so we've got a continuous cycle of life going on so um, would you like to go inside so um, but we, we've renovated an old century barn um, to house our whole cider operation. So we're just we're on the lower level now. Um, this is this is where the when I say century barn, our, our barn has been dated about to about the 1870s. So um, originally, when the barn was made, uh, there would have just been a packed earth floor, and they would have kept the the animals in here during the winter and there would have been there was when we bought the barn there was a hatch in the in the ceiling where they could drop hay down to feed the cattle and uh, so we've totally yeah, um, renovated the barn and the lower level is all kind of um, food food safe and food friendly and uh, we do all of our fermenting here all of our bottling um, and we have a little bit of finished product storage down here. This, um, so we, we, as you can see, we do all of our fermenting in 1,000 liter IBCs. Um, we found IBCs being used in the UK for making cider. And they're great because they're food safe, they're, they're uh, inexpensive, and uh, and they can be moved around quite easily and, and clean quite easily. Mm -hmm. Especially compared to the tanks where, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have we have some stainless steel tanks for, we have a, a bright tank for doing carbonation and filling, and then we've got some other stainless tanks for longer term storage. The, uh, there is a little bit of, there is oxygen permeation through through the, the high density plastic of an IBC, so they're they're not uh, they're not good for long term storage, but they're great for fermenting. Um, this is our counter pressure filler, came directly from Italy. We do all of our bottling on this machine. Friday actually is a scheduled bottling day, um, and um, I always like to point out to visitors. My best friend, my hot water pressure washer. 
Um, cider making might seem glorious, but we spend about 90% of our time cleaning something. So cider making is mostly cleaning up after yourself. Yeah. Well, I'll take you upstairs, show you our tasting room. Uh, product rise, what do you have for 2020? Um, we currently have five products. Um, we have our flagship uh, hard cider. We've got a 100% pear cider. We choose to call it pear cider as opposed to perry, but same thing. Um, and we have a, a number of co-ferments. Um, the um, I think the only we just ran out of. Uh, our vinifera cider, which is about um, its local grapes, uh, Baco Noir, and um, and what was the other one? Frontenac. We we uh, about 10% grapes, 80% uh, or 90% uh, apple juice, co-fermented. Kind of tastes like a very similar to a rosé. Uh, we just ran out of that and. Uh, Probably won't, we won't be remaking any until the until the fall. And then, all, uh, do all of your apples come from on site, or do you buy from no, some I local would, farmers? No, we, we've got a five acre five acres that is producing. It 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 produces about twenty percent of our our needs. Um, the balance is from local growers. There's about there's still about fifty. We're in a commercial apple growing region. It's been. It's been commercial since the mid-1800s, and there's still about 50 uh, family-owned uh, orchards in the area, and um, and and new new acreage is being planted. So it's uh, it looks like it's still got a still got a future as a commercial growing area. I think about great. I think Gray County, which is where we are, produces 25% of Ontario's apples. Hence the uh, the apple pie trail idea yeah. and all of that, and and even the new ones that are popping up in the last couple of years. Yeah, this is this area is definitely known for apples. Yeah, this is. It's interesting if you look at the history. The original settlers around uh, Georgian Bay planted plum. Uh, was it yeah plums? They thought because of the moderating influence of the bay that uh, plums would be a good crop, and then. One winter came along and totally wiped out the plum crop, so they uh, they switched to apples and never looked back. We grow some um, pears here, um, almost exclusively. Um, um, what is the Bartlett's? Just blew a bank, drew a blank. Mostly Bartlett's. Um, but uh, this, you know, we can't really do uh, uh, other stone fruits up here. Pe pear, uh, plums and peaches don't don't really like the climate here. So, um, so you're in our tasting yeah. room now. Um, if if this was a normal year, we do our tastings here, um, and we have a you know we have some indoor seating for groups, um, but. Looking out our windows, you can see we've set up event tents for our outdoor tasting, and we've got um, we've got picnic tables throughout the property, so uh, you know we're we're able to accommodate quite a few visitors. And how did you get started into cider? Um, well, we we made cider uh, 
on an amateur basis. And then my wife Judy and I uh, took Peter Mitchell's um, cider making course in the UK and later did his advanced course in Washington State. And um, we, as I said, we had the property for 25 years and we, you know, we were, we had a business in Toronto that kind of kept us in the city, but uh, we, we were so attracted to the area, we're kind of searching for something that would keep us here and apples and cider making just seemed to be a good, a good solution. So, so just kind of, I, I say it's a hobby that got out of control. <laughs> we were actually the first, we weren't the first cidery in the area technically. Um, Thornbury or, uh, was actually called Peelers uh, back back when we started. They 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 were producing cider here, but we were the first destination cidery in this Georgian Triangle. And most of our production is still sold from our retail location here. Mm -hmm. We do a little bit of kegging, but uh, mostly just uh, retail sales from here. And have some reasons to be in Toronto and so on for other other family reasons, right? As well, yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Well, our son, our son Josh, uh, owns her father's cider bar, and uh, he sometimes gives us a tap. But we've we've got to fight like everybody else for for uh, room. <laughs> it's a, a a fantastic and gorgeous space to be here in, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to take a look at some of the photos that we will post on the website as well. So, if people want more information about what you're offering and what you're doing, where can they go? Well, our website is bvcider.ca, bv as in Beaver Valley, cider.ca. So they can reach me by email at john at bvcider.ca. We're on Facebook and Instagram at bvcider. So we're pretty available, pretty accessible, and we love visitors. Well, thank you so much for a few moments to chat. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for coming. <laughs>